Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Jeff Renwick, who is CEO of CanTab Therapeutics out of Toronto, Canada. And we're going to learn a little bit more about his background and about the company. Jeff, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Bruce. Yeah. So I always like to start these conversations with backgrounds. Curious what your professional background was or is, and then how you got into the cannabis space. Give us a sense. Right. I'll give you a quick, uh, you know, quick rundown on yeah. that. Uh, basically, I'm from Saskatchewan. I'm Canadian. Um, I ended up getting into the pharmaceutical business. So, uh, you know, my first uh, career job, if you will, as a result of me being a hockey player in Germany. Um, instead of coming back to Canada in the summertime, I actually got a job working with, a, you know, a startup, like call it a pharmaceutical trading company, who uh, at the time, like really, you know, had the, the huge amount of growth. And I, being very young, I was all vested in and um, I became very good friends with the family that actually run the the, the business. Uh-huh. And yeah. as they grew their trading business, they got into trading and manufacturing and distribution of pharmaceuticals around the world. And I sort of grew up with the company a little bit there until they sold out to a larger company. And then I came back to Canada in 1999 and brought like some of my pharma stuff back with me and fulfilled a sort of a long, you know, standing um uh, commitment I had to myself to move back to Canada, and and when I did, I I brought all of the suppliers that I gained in Europe yeah. over here and started selling raw materials to some of the Canadian manufacturers. Smart. And that's really how I got into the business. Yeah, yeah. How long uh, and how how long did you play hockey? What was the? What was uh, the it was a very short stint. I mean, yeah. I played uh, played a little bit in Germany and a little bit in uh, Norway. Yeah. Uh, with my un- with my uncle actually who lived there, yeah. and um, you know. 
got tired of sort of, you know, not having any money. And that's when I got into the business. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I think like so many professionals, you know, there, there's this kind of uh, combination of uh, fortunate circumstances, need, hunger, <laughs> that get us yeah, in these exactly. different domains. So so that was kind of the, the entree into the pharmaceutical world. Um, so tell us about the cannabis stuff. How did, how did cannabis end up, you know, how, how did you get introduced to it or or what was the motivation to look specifically in the cannabis market? Actually, what happened was about four years ago, my partner, Richard Goldstein, who's also the co-founder of uh, Cantab, we were kind of like waiting for an FDA approval on this drug that we developed for another generic company in the U.S. And we had the plant and we had, you know, all the equipment and staff and everything. And we decided that, you know, we didn't want to do another project because we would have had to refinance the company. Jeez. So we took on a, um, a really like an interesting project from this like a nutraceutical company that was using krill oil and oil from um, shrimp and omega oils, yeah. omega three, sixes and nines. And they were producing like these gel caps and this oil. And the idea was, uh, you know, and this came out about through our uh, patent attorney, actually, that uh, that we'd been working with. They wanted to try and improve the bioavailability of krill oil. So we decided, you know, like we weren't doing anything and there really wasn't um, any other projects that we had in mind. So we kind of shifted over into the nutraceutical space and started working with this krill oil and oil like um, derived from shells of uh, shrimp coming out of the food processing industry. So they were sort of solving a problem by not using krill and then by also trying to, you know, have a person better uptake the krill oil and, and being able to, you know, give less krill oil or shrimp oil than uh, previous and by putting it in a hard pill form and making it extended release, we thought that maybe we could, you know, have an improvement to like a, really a multi-billion-dollar industry. Omega oils are everywhere. Yeah. So yeah, we yeah. started in the company that we contracted from. Actually, um, during the process, ended up getting purchased by <laughs> another company and left our project kind of on hold. Yeah. And while the project was on hold, I mean, this is like a you know a real serendipitous story. Really, um, one of the fellows that works with us sister had cancer yeah. and he was um i believe he was what they call the le the legal caregiver to his sister because Got his it. sister was having him take the dried flowers and make oil for her uh -huh. and doing it like in his kitchen or at home or whatever yeah and he asked me if you know when it was all like legal he had a card she had a card everything mm -hmm. was being purchased like from a legal source if he could actually come and do this little rendering um using some of the plant equipment on the weekend when nobody was around mm -hmm. So he did so, and I was watching him, and I was thinking to myself, wait a minute. He's <laughs> <laughs> about to make a cookie or whatever yeah. he was going to do for her, right? Or take home, like, concentrates. Yeah. And I was, like, looking at the shrimp stuff and looking at this. I go, wait a minute. We can do something um, in terms of, you know, taking this thing to the next level and, and, and putting it into a real dosage form. And that's sort of how I got into the business. I mean, it wasn't by intent. We didn't jump in or... It was like, you know, real, really by serendipity, actually, you know? Yeah. I, I have this vision of, uh, I don't know if you remember the commercials from Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, where there's the chocolate maker and the peanut butter guy, and they have an accident and they get mushed together. I'm like, wait a minute, I think we discovered something. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. That's exactly true. And then, you know, after several attempts and trials, we actually emerged one night about three o'clock in the morning with a tablet holding it high in the air, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, so, and and talk to me about this bioavailability stuff, because I'm not sure this is, it comes up in various conversations, but I'm not sure people really appreciate why this is so important. So let's generally talk about bioavailability and then why this becomes important or, uh, you know, interesting from the cannabis space. Yeah, right. You're going to actually hear a lot more now. Uh, um, now that 
especially in Canada, that we've had legalization. Um, you know, scientists and chemists and researchers are able to, you know, do some, you know, meaningful research legally on on cannabis. So one of the major problems with cannabis, especially edible cannabis, I'm not talking about vaporized or smoked, is that your um, your liver actually does its job and filters out, you know, a lot of the, uh, you know, things that it deems to be, you know, whatever harmful to your body or it metabolizes in your liver. Yeah. And all of the oils and whatnot um, are basically metabolized, you know, through your liver or your buccal cavity. So one of the, you know, major goals of of our company was, was to take that low bioavailability of the oils and try and make that into something a little bit more bioavailable and a little more consistent in terms of dosage. So with our tablet, um, what we do is we actually bypass the hepatic system in the liver and we drop it into the your lower extremities, if you will, where the tablet can slowly erode over time and your body can uptake it a little bit better. So you may not need as much as like eating, say, a gummy bear. And, you know, some of the other issues that are there is that um, oils are, you know, they have fat in it and waxes and many different things, which, you know, they have a lot of medical benefit. But the stability and the shelf life on them is very poor. And they also vert into other cannabinoids as, you know, the shelf life goes. So we believe that in the tablet form, the, the cannabinoids are stabilized and, and they're not going to convert and you'll have less you know, degradation and the stability of the product will be much better on top of the bioavailability. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm, I'm not sure people really appreciate that, that, you know, just from a uh, kind of a physiology point of view that the big difference or how you ingest the product ends up having a huge impact on its effect on you, you know, and, and uh, you know, do, you know, inhaling or vaping, you know, through the lung system has a certain mechanism or, or, or delivers it in a certain way, but ingesting it, right. yeah, it, it ends up being digested. It ends up going through digestive system in your liver yeah. and, and both the effectiveness or, or the impact will vary. Also, I, the, the, the thing that I've learned to appreciate is, you know, you end up having more uh, variability, you know, people's uh, digestive systems and, you know, their bodies will process that differently. So you could actually have the same dose the same ingestion, but actually have very different results based on people's, um, you know, chemistries and how their body works. And mm. so this, this idea of having the, the tab, I, I hadn't, and I actually hadn't appreciated the whole shelf life aspect, which is really interesting uh, with yeah. the oils that they, uh, they do degrade. I mean, things are moving fast enough that things are kind of flying off the shelves right now, <laughs> but, oh, but in terms right. of, you know, as, as we move into, you know, really developing, uh, you know, supply chains, product chains, you know, inventories and people having to kind of manage inventories for periods of time and production processes. Yeah, this is going to become more and more of an issue for folks, it seems. No, it is. And then we've also been, you know, doing a lot of research in terms of the turpines that are used alongside cannabis. And, and one of the major issues that are with edible cannabis is when you do uh, process in order to convert the cannabis into a more bioavailable form, you have to heat it. And when you heat it, you, you often reduce the, or you mm. burn off the turpines in there. And, yeah. and we've heard a lot of talk about turpines through, you know, many different sources. And we actually truly believe that turpines are part of what they call the entourage effect in the, yeah. in the cannabis. So with our tablet process, we're able to still decarboxylize the, the cannabis oil and, you know, utilize the cannabinoids and all that. 
But we're able to add back in the turpines that have been previously extracted from the oil prior to decarboxylation because they don't need to be decarboxylized. So, like, we're actually stepping um, our clinical research into the cannabinoids beyond THC and, and THCA and THC and CBD and CBDA into include other terpenes such as myrosine and yeah. and not. Um, uh, so, it's you know, it's, it's really getting interesting now um, to be able to do those things and go beyond the, you know, raw oil or the resin type of stuff mixed in with, uh, you know, triglyceride in order to make it into a dosage form. Yeah, it's fascinating. I don't know if you're down at the... Uh the biz, uh, MJ BizCon down in Vegas, but it was, uh, there was a lot of you know, exhibitors talking about the turpines and, and, you know, some great, great displays and stuff about showing the different, but, you know, both, you know, kind of, uh, aesthetic qualities, you know, the, the, the taste and the smell and how, you know, it affects the kind of palate aspect of, you know, of the, of the products, but, but then also this entourage effect of that some of these actually, you know, have, will, will adjust or enhance, uh, change the characteristics of the, uh, sort of the the effect on you in terms of the the pharmaceutical portion portion of it, but um, interesting. And so, so talk to us a little bit more about the actual tab technology. Like, what what are you? Like what is the actual technology that you've been developing that allows you to put it into this tab format? And why is it kind of interesting or unique for you? Right. So it's a, um, a combination of a number of things. Like you know, starting off at the at the oil stage, really we're able to make what we call a nano emulsion or um, the Basically, it can emulsify the cannabis oil into a blend of excipients that allow that to stay like separated and not reform back again like typical oil does. Like if you take some of the oil that's available in the marketplace now in either capsule form or in a, in a liquid uh, tincture or, you know, uh, uh, or the oil mixed together with, a, with you know, olive oil or yeah, they use kind of base, yeah. or they have um, a coconut is very popular and all that. Those oils, if you put it, you know, take that and put it in a glass of water, you'll see that'll, you know, stir it, give it a good stir, and it'll all end up back in a dollop together at the top of the water. Uh-huh. Uh, but with our technology, we can actually, you know, put it into that granulation that we have and then put it in the water and stir it, and it'll stay separated. So, so this, you know, okay, that, so this is like an, a, a, the, what egg does in mayonnaise. <laughs> kind of yeah, helps. Kind of, I yeah. guess, you know. You Probably all different kinds of things you can compare it to, yeah. but I mean, this uh, pharmaceutical technology has been around for you know a while, yeah. And you know, we converted it into a sort of a cannabis scenario, uh-huh. and then that was really the beginning. And then once we had those granules and we're able to you know have a product that has like a real content uniformity where there isn't more oil on one side of the um, mix than the other side, uh-huh. then we're able to really take that and put it into like what we call a matrix technology for tablets, where we could. Um, do a number of things. We could make it instant release. We could make it extended release. Um, we could make it like a flash melt type of tablet where you put it in your mouth and it melts so you go in your buccal cavity. Um, so we tried to cover off, um, you know, a number of different problems like with oral dosages, like some people's liver might not be good. Um, other people might want a long-term solution. Some people might want an instant solution. Um, so with our product range, using that technology, we're able to develop a whole line of oral, you know, solid oral dosages. Mm-hmm. And and so now, from the business model point of view, are you um, are you licensing technology? Are you uh, actually producing uh, on behalf of folks? Are you developing your own brands? Like what's your? How are you approaching the market? Right. So what we're doing is we're trying to line ourselves up together with. Uh, well, first of all, we're we're not a licensed producer in terms of growing. We have an application in with Health Canada to be a non-growing licensed producer. Okay. Uh, which will allow us to get you know be, uh, either dried flowers or oil from a. Uh, Licensed producer, uh-huh. uh, but we're trying to align ourselves together with a 
license producer that also has distribution. So yeah. we've we've done one deal for one of our product lines with a company called Emblem, yep. and um, uh, you know they're a Canadian uh, LP with a good amount of of customers and yeah. growing. No, we know them. Yeah, right. So then, then we've also um, we're in like you know sort of discussions with other companies for the rest of our product line, and we've set up an agreement with FSD Pharma or FV Pharma um, out in Coburg um, to build a ten thousand square foot facility with inside of their license facility in order to manufacture and distribute like worldwide from there. Oh, interesting. So t- tell us about how you're approaching that market. So, you know, Canada is kind of the, the poster child right now in terms of, uh, you know, developing national markets, but there's a lot going on internationally. How is the international, I guess, how, give me a sense of your priorities in terms of the Canadian market, the international market. Are there parts of the international market that are most interesting for you? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, the, we have, but like over the last four or five months, we've have been inundated with leads from Thailand, from all these countries that are now coming into the legal scenario. But we've already actually stepped out and we've actually written a deal up with a Mexican company uh-huh. that is going to distribute our tablets once we get the approval in Canada. Uh, the key thing is getting the approval by Health Canada, because once we have that approval, then we're legally allowed to export the tablets anywhere that is legal. For example, okay. we have an arrangement with Australia already where um, uh, we're going to manufacture the tablets here in Canada and they're going to distribute them in Australia. But they can't actually start distributing or bring anything in until Health Canada um, allows it as a dosage form here in Canada. So right now, the main focus of the company is to get the product into Health Canada, get approved by Health Canada. And then once we have that approval, then we can apply for export permits and whatnot to several jurisdictions. And one of them is Australia. Another one is Mexico. I mean, Germany is obviously an attractive market for many companies. And yeah. you know, the list goes on. I mean, uh, you know, the key thing is, is getting the Health Canada approval because they, you know, they won't allow the export of a product. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, I guess I hadn't I hadn't appreciated that, that in order to successfully ask. And this is because your your product actually has THC. Uh, you know, in it. So in order to be able to legally export it, you have to be approved by the Canadian government first, even if these other places have legalized, you know, use and sale of product in order to be a producer internationally, you have to do that. So once you get that, then you'll be able to open the market. I guess, how, how have you found in terms of developing business on an international level? Like what, what's your experience been like? Any, any learnings that, that you'd be willing to share with other folks that are looking to, you know, market products uh, on an international basis? Well, I think really, I mean, the, a lot of the focus of, of some of the foreign governments, especially the German government, um, and, you know, also the the uh, the Australian government, who, you know, really I have some personal experience with, is that they're, you know, they want cannabis in there, but they also want a certain amount of quality control involved, right? And yeah. uh, for them, a government, when they say quality control, it's a, it's a health product, they look to their, you know, drug division or, you know, in this case, Health Canada and Germany, it's, you know, the, the German uh, and then in Australia, they have the, the, the EMA and all that. So they, they need to sort of link together between those two things of, you know, being cannabis and also having some form of testing and some form of um, consistency and something that they can actually, you know, limit their liability on. Right. Yeah. They need they need to know it's kind of health and safety of of their population they're not going to put putting something into the market that's going to do harm or no not exactly or be blatantly no, exactly. not effective yeah right so they're they're really looking over at at the pharma grade type regulations and saying okay if they can incorporate some of that stuff into the cannabis act then they'll have 
you know, something that they're willing to endorse, right? And you'll see some of the companies that have been Canadian companies anyway, that are exporting to Germany, even the dried flowers. I mean, these are companies that qualified with good manufacturing practices and, you know, have a lot of, you know, and any kind of certification available that they can really, you know, dig into and feel that they're importing a product that's not going to cause any harm to anybody. Yeah. And and do you think that's that's the kind of the way this industry is going to go is end up adopting either the, the pharmaceutical uh, policies, procedures, kind of uh, regulation process or, or some similar type of level uh, type of process? Or do you think that the some countries are going to bifurcate this and, uh, you know, treat them somewhat separately? I think they're going to really lean towards, you know, more higher regulated pharma style, yeah. you know, uh, regulations and, and procedures. And it's, you know, not going to be like a agricultural product that can be shipped based on, you know, uh, you know, one simple test or something like that. Yeah. They're going to have a whole regime. And, you know, Germany's already came out and, 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 you know, said that they want a real strict regime on their their internal growing policies, and that's why they haven't got around that yet, and they're actually importing product from everywhere else. You know, yeah, yeah no, exactly. That they they decided that their own they have to go outside to find find the level that they they really desire internally. Uh, so, talk to me a little bit about how kind of I guess the the challenges and and learnings that you've had in terms of building up this business in in Canada. I mean, you know, here in the U.S. You know, we've got this crazy system of you know federal, federally illegal, and state by state, you know, kind of regulation. Um, what what have you sort of learned? I guess transferring from the pharmaceutical space into this space. What what are some of the kind of the takeaways you've had uh, from a business point of view? Well, I don't think I've ever been in a business where everybody's so nice. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like like everybody's nice. The regulators are nice. Everybody's very positive. There's a lot of growth. Uh, yeah. You know, there's a lot of interest. Um, you know, so I'd like, you know, lucky to be in a, in a sort of a greenfield uh, business is growing where everybody is enthusiastic and, you know, there's competition, but it's not, uh, you know, cutthroat competition. Yeah. Everybody has a build out to do. Everybody has a business to build. Um, you know, the financiers are interested. Uh, yeah. Consumers are interested. So it's pretty exciting times. I, I mean, I, I can't really compare anything I've ever done to being in a space like this. I mean, I've been in the pharma business where, you know, I'm on the R&D side and I never even know what's going on on the sales side where, you know, in this business, you really you're seeing something, you know, evolve from really nothing, you know, yeah. into something that's going to be huge, you know? Yeah. Do you say that thinking that it might change or do you think that this is just the nature of this industry or is it because where the industry is, but things will become more competitive, more cutthroat over time? Yeah, I'm guessing, uh, you know, the it's going to become, a, I would say, a game of, of big players eventually. I mean, yeah. this is going to compare to the maybe the alcohol or cigarette type industry with you know maybe a little bit more artisan type flair to it uh -huh. um, but yeah you're going to definitely see you know money flowing in and that money is going to be utilized and then they're going to capture market share then the other guys are going to want it back and you'll, yeah. you'll you'll see some interesting times i'm sure yeah. especially in the in the concentrates more than say the you know smoking aspect of it yeah yeah, it's certainly kind of the product innovation, product development, and all these, um, you know, moving moving away from just kind of flour, uh, even kind of the extracts. But you know, whether it's uh, I think this whole kind of wellness uh, area and the you know incorporating into all sorts of different products around um, uh, you know nutrition and stuff like that is really fascinating. There's a lot of I think opportunities for innovation and new product development in those space. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that. Um, no, it's true. Actually, and it's really it's really our belief that the whole CBD market probably well, you know, yeah, exactly. the hemp yeah. industry is going to surpass pretty much anything we've seen up to now. Yeah, yeah. 
and it seems like, I mean, you're, I mean, this, the, the technology that you've developed would work for any, any one of those, you know, delivering any one of those products. I'm, if I understand you correctly. Yeah, hundred yeah. yeah, percent. Actually, the company is, you know, we're about ready to finalize and we've already done it, but, um, you know, we've secured a supply of organic hemp, uh, from a Canadian hemp farmer for the, not only the 2018 crop that just came off, but, uh, you know, we're also taking, uh, the, the offcoming crops in the next, uh, next year and probably beyond. So we truly believe the health and wellness. I mean, you're going to have a lot of people that are going to be taking, you know, CBD supplements and there's going to be CBD and, you know, various skin creams and and whatnot yeah so you know it's our belief that you know this once a day type thing and you know the whole once a day in a tablet form stuff really we can you know equate that into a real revenue stream that is going to be reoccurring every month almost like a telecom customer a cable customer if you will you know yeah recurring revenue stream that's the valuation uh mecca here if we can get to that point yeah so tell me a little bit more about the business in terms of you know, just challenges of growing a business in this industry right now, things like talent, things like capital, um, you know, what, what are, how, how have some of that part of growing the business, how, how have they been doing? Any challenges or, or insights that you've seen there? Well, you know, luckily for Cantab, I mean, all the staff that we have, I, I've been working together with these guys for the last 15 years in different projects and yeah. different pharmaceutical aspects. So I didn't really have to go out and source out talent. But from yeah. what I understand, you know, there's a, a huge lack of testing people and analytical people. And, you know, there's a lot of people that, that, that are required to take this business to the next level. So, I, you know, I think that that's going to be a little bit of an issue. You're going to lose a lot of pharma people to the cannabis space. But then, you know, that's fine. That's the evolution. And cannabis is going to take market share away from some of the pharma stuff. Yep. I mean, in terms of, of capital, I mean, they're obviously capital like poured into the cannabis space. Yeah. It kind of slowed down a little bit last year. But you know, I believe access to capital um, is not going to be as easy, easy as it was a year ago. But for viable projects and for companies that are structured properly, you know, I think there's no problem at all to raise enough capital to, you know, get their business to the next level. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's true. And obviously in the U.S. here, we're a little, we're handcuffed because of a lot of this regulation stuff and the the, the federal issues. But um, yeah, it, well, it does. It's a huge influx of American companies coming up to Canada uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and listing on the Canadian Stock Exchange uh, the, uh, the CSE in order to get funding and going down and running their business in the States and, and being very, very, very successful. I mean, I've, I've talked to quite a few people now and, you know, my eyes really opened up to what retail distribution, like in a you know scenario like Colorado can mean to a lot of companies. I mean, I spoke with one fellow, all he did was make gummy bears and he was, you know, turning over a million dollars a week out of his little small shop. Yeah. Not an uncommon story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll see, you know, like it's maturing and, and people are starting to uh, competition is starting to kind of come in and, and uh, you know, the markets are maturing as well. But yeah, you know, huge opportunity. And I like, but I think, you know, to your story uh, originally, I think the best examples or the most uh, successful examples I've seen are people that take what they've done very well in other industries and just pivot and apply it to the cannabis space. Uh, so rather than going in and, you know, starting a dispensary or or setting up a grow is, you know, you take your marketing or you take your pharmaceutical or you take your packaging, whatever those things are that you're, you know, really well and just apply it to the cannabis space. Those end up being really successful businesses. Yeah, no, I agree with you. So for people that are out there, you know, in different industries, thinking about getting into the cannabis space, any particular areas, if you were going to start a new business or, you know, start a new venture in, in, in the cannabis space that you think is particularly, you know, problems that need to be solved, areas that need solutions, that need kind of innovation and talent. Anything that you've seen in the space that is ripe for uh, new ventures? Uh, I mean, I could go through a list, I guess. I mean, I, I, <laughs> top, I mean, I top two or three. 
Yeah, I don't, well, well, the top one I seen was the packaging, uh, packaging people. Yeah. I mean, I, it was a, a lack of, of packaging that, that was approved by the government or a lack of companies that understood the regulations that made available packaging yeah. uh, materials that were acceptable. So, you know, I, I actually know one fellow that kind of got into it and he's been very successful and, you know, he started this packaging business. Uh, I have another fellow that is he specializing in um, um, trying to get into the bonded shipping of, of finished products or raw materials or whatever. But he's you know started a separate business as being a licensed courier and yeah. you know found himself a real niche. You know. Yeah, yeah. And these niches are are phenomenal in in this growing industry. It's just uh, there's a thousand of them. I mean, I, I think you know people people kind of keep coming into the space and saying, oh well, you know everyone everyone's kind of you know captured the available business opportunities already and they're just scaling. It's like no, they're still there's still thousands of them out there to be made. Yeah, and there's the guys going. I mean, I met one fellow that had a, um, uh, a system of um, growing containers for a licensed producer that that are, were all electronically connected, and it would only water the plants that needed it when the moisture content got yeah. to a certain yeah, level. Exactly. But you just use it for cannabis. That business came out of an Israeli agriculture company that was actually putting these probes in the in the ground in their irrigated land, right? And the guy was you know very smart and just transferred the already successful technology into the cannabis space, and I think he's really done well yeah so yeah. There's, i mean you have to have an open mind i mean you have to think about it but <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of things going on now and being created from new yeah and people converting from one business to another that really like you said before they're bringing their specialized skills into the cannabis space yeah yeah good um we're gonna hit time here this has been fascinating um jeff if people want to find out more about you about cantab what's the best way to get that information well we have a website it's uh, cantab.ca Anybody can email me anytime they want with questions. Uh, my email is jeff at cantab.ca. And, uh, you know, basic Googling. I mean, we, we have a little bit of ink on the internet now. So yeah. uh, anywhere you want to find out, our symbol's pill on the Canadian Stock Exchange. Awesome. P-I-L-L. I will, uh, I'll make sure all of those, uh, that information and those links are in the show notes so people can click through and get them. Uh, Jeff, this has been a pleasure. Um, great conversation. I've learned a lot. Um, I really appreciate the time. Thanks a lot, Bruce. I look forward to talking to you again. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.